This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. On this day in 2000, eight-year-old Victoria Klimbier died in hospital from physical abuse at the hands of her great-aunt and her boyfriend. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the death of Victoria Klimbier, an eight-year-old girl from the Ivory Coast who was abused and murdered by her legal guardian in the UK. Let's go back to the afternoon of February 25th, 2000, just after 3 p.m. The cold London wind pummeled the windows outside the intensive care ward at St. Mary's Hospital in London. The wing bustled with doctors and nurses moving quickly between rooms. There were no patients in the ward that were not in urgent need of care and constant monitoring. Suddenly, an alarm sounded from one of the rooms. A doctor and nurse rushed to the bedside of a little girl, Victoria Klimbier. She'd been transferred from North Middlesex Hospital late the night before, suffering from hypothermia. When she arrived, the eight-year-old weighed less than 60 pounds, and her renal and respiratory systems were failing. Her body temperature was so low that the hospital didn't have a thermometer capable of recording it accurately. Now, Victoria was in full cardiac arrest. A nurse brought in a crash cart with a defibrillator as the doctor began chest compressions on the tiny girl's inert body. But they were too late. The doctor stopped CPR and looked at the clock. He declared the time of death, 3.15 p.m., and noted it on Victoria's chart. Then he covered her body with a sheet. Victoria's body was brought to Dr. Nathaniel Carey, a pathologist. He was to perform a post-mortem examination to determine the official cause of death. Medically, she died from multiple organ failure due to severe malnutrition and hypothermia. But as Dr. Carey examined Victoria's severely malnourished body, he found 128 separate injuries. Many of them were cigarette burns. He also found cuts and marks from blunt instruments, burns from scalding water, and ligature marks on Victoria's tiny wrists and ankles that indicated she had been tied up for long periods of time. He found scars across her entire body. 
there was no part of her torso, limbs, or head that was not injured at some point in the eight years she was alive. In his report, Dr. Carey wrote that Victoria had endured the worst case of deliberate harm to a child he had ever seen. On the night of February 25th, an hour after Carey finished his report, the Metropolitan Police arrived at St. Mary's with a pair of arrest warrants. They were looking for Marie Therese Cueo, Victoria's great aunt, and her boyfriend, Carl Manning. Manning was nowhere to be found, but Cueo was still in the hospital. She was placed under arrest on suspicion of child neglect and murder. Cueo refused to cooperate, dodging the police's questions and claiming Victoria had been possessed by a demon. The police caught up to Carl Manning the next day at his apartment. Inside, they found traces of Victoria's blood in multiple places. Detective Superintendent Keith Niven said, we managed to recover many, many samples of blood. Given that they had already been cleaned, I think that gave an indication she had been assaulted regularly and severely, and she had bled. And even though they had attempted to cover this up, it must have been in abundance. Manning was arrested and taken in for questioning. During the interview, the police detectives were shocked at Manning's candor about abusing Victoria. What he told them would change the course of child abuse investigations in the UK forever. We'll hear about the investigation and lasting ramifications of Victoria Climbier's terrible murder right after this. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On February 25th, 2000, Victoria Climbier was admitted to intensive care at St. Mary's Hospital in London. She was severely malnourished and suffering from extreme hypothermia. She died at 3.15 p.m. from multiple organ failure. Victoria's great-aunt, Marie-Therese Cueo, and her boyfriend, Carl Manning, were arrested for murder. When he was questioned by police, Manning freely admitted to having abused Victoria for years. He hit and kicked her with soccer cleats, whipped her with a bicycle chain, and stubbed out cigarettes on her legs. He and Coelho forced Victoria to sleep in the bathtub, tied up and wrapped only in a garbage bag for warmth. The bathroom was unheated, and many nights, Victoria ended up sleeping in her own urine and feces. The subsequent murder investigation uncovered more than a dozen missed opportunities for intervention in Victoria's horrific abuse. In the year leading up to her death, Victoria had been visited at home by social services 14 separate times. 
but due to the inconsistency in social workers on each visit, the pattern of abuse was not clear. Cueo had a different excuse for Victoria's injuries on each visit. On multiple occasions, she'd said Victoria's injuries were self-inflicted. The social workers never cross-referenced their findings with each other. When Victoria was admitted to the hospital six months before her death for a bad burn from scalding water, the doctor was suspicious enough to call for another social service consultation. Two social workers and a police officer interviewed Victoria and her great-aunt. Again, Cueo was able to convince them that Victoria had simply had an accident. Victoria was released back into her care. Two weeks later, Victoria was back in the hospital. She was suffering from scabies, a skin condition in which tiny mites burrow into the skin and cause itchy, painful red lumps. The doctor who treated her suspected the other cuts and bruises were from abuse, but did nothing more than note his concern in Victoria's chart. There was no follow-up, and Victoria went home. When police received a complaint from Victoria's school about suspected abuse, the police officer assigned to investigate the apartment refused to enter the premises. The officer was afraid of catching scabies. In the final three attempts to visit the apartment where Victoria was being abused, the social workers found nobody at home. They filed their reports saying as much, and their supervisor concluded that Victoria and her aunt had moved. The last attempt to contact Cueo and Victoria was on February 18, 2000. When the social worker received no response, Victoria's case was officially closed a week later on February 25th. It was the same day Victoria died. After the investigation into Victoria's horrible death, the UK passed an updated Children Act in 2004. This new law created the Office of Child Commissioner, which is tasked with overseeing and coordinating between social service workers, medical professionals, and police to make sure that children at risk are identified and protected immediately. Cueo and Manning went on trial for Victoria's murder, and 144 witnesses gave evidence to prosecute them. They were convicted 10 months after Victoria's death in January 2001. They are currently serving life sentences in UK prisons. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For another story like Victoria's, check out our Gertrude Banishevsky episodes on the ParCast original, Female Criminals. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love, 
let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 